mental as well as the physical side of sports and coaching. T.K. Griffith and Scott Matthew Callahan are your hosts, and between them, they bring over 50 years of coaching experience to the table with success in both boys' and girls' athletics. Their expertise comes from the locker room, the classroom, and their living room. Now, the teacher coach with T.K. and Scott. Welcome to the Teacher Coach Podcast here from beautiful Brook Point Studios in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special episode today, uh, a unique episode for us in the fact that we are going to highlight a student from a local school, Archbishop Hoban, of course, because <laughs> I work at Hoban. So we're going to feature um, Archbishop Hoban's Dominic Damasio, who has been chosen as a finalist for the Courage Award. In fact, he may end up winning the Courage Award, but we don't know yet. Um, he is a finalist for the Courage Award at the Beacon Journal Gatehouse Gala, uh, which is a huge event that they started last year. Uh, it had a great keynote speaker. I think Jerome Betta spoke last year. There were 500 people in attendance. And this year, of course, it is going to be uh, virtual because of the coronavirus, which is uh, a bummer. However, it's still going to be quite an event in mid-June. I believe the date is right around June 19th, although they are still determining when they're going to do the virtual uh, banquet at Gatehouse Media, which publishes the Akron Beacon Journal and many other newspapers across the state of Ohio and nationally. So Dominic Damasio from Archbishop Hoban is our guest, and he's on with us because he is the Courage Award finalist for the 2020 gala that the Beacon Journal will hold in June. So Dom, we're going to get started. Welcome to the uh, Teacher Coach Podcast. Dom, you won the Courage Award, and you probably don't even know how or why you won it at this point. Um, there are several people that helped nominate you. I'll be honest, I was one of them, but there were many other people. I'm not going to tell you all who they were right now, but you can figure it out with time. And uh, one of the reasons we nominated you was because we felt like you were somebody who really dealt with adversity a lot in your life, yet came to school with a smile every day and just seemed unaffected and cheerful, even though many of us knew that you had a lot of tough stuff that you dealt with in your life, and nobody would ever know it except the people who kind of knew some of the backstory. Can you tell us about some of the adversity that you have been through um, with your family? Uh, Yes. Uh, Thank you for having me on. Um, 2010, uh, my mom, Karen Damasio, uh, is an oncology nurse and, uh, it was actually kind of a coincidence because she, she takes care of these camp cancer patients and then she became afflicted by the same disease that she was trying to help these people like heal. And Dom, 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 where is she a cancer nurse? Because I have to tell you, um, something, your mom was in the room when uh, my wife's grandfather, who was kind of like my grandfather because we were pretty much raised together, um, Norman Maynard, passed away. And I tell you what, the way she handled that on that oncology floor was such a moment of grace for my family because of how professional and caring she was. And I will never forget the way your mom impacted our lives in that room. But can you tell people where she worked and what her duties entailed? Uh, Suma, um, a while ago, and now she works for Akron General over in green and uh she uh my mom's an oncology nurse and she takes care of patients uh gives them their infusions and stuff like that and uh she's basically with them and sometimes it's to the end of the line so it can get kind of emotional some days so so she's there for patients and then what what happens dom does does she uh then have cancer herself you were mentioning yes so then in 2010 
she was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. And so it was weird because she was working with these people and then months later she comes back and now they're treating her for this disease. So, uh, and then what kind of journey was, what, what kind of journey was that for the family? Was that tough on everybody? Yeah, it was tough, you know, because my mom always wanted to get up in the morning, make our lunches, take us to our bus stop. And then we would wake up in the morning and she'd be in bed or she'd be getting ready to go get her chemo. So she really couldn't, she, she almost like felt bad. Like it was her fault because she wanted to come and do all these things, but she, she couldn't, she was exhausted. So how long she did, went through a year. That was about a year of treatment, Tom, a year of treatments. And then obviously post treatments or whatever. But as soon as, uh, she was clear to go back to work, uh, my brother was diagnosed with, um, a kidney tumor, um, a little after Easter in 2011. Um, it was a little different with Paul because one, his, his tumor was on a larger scale and, um, he has underlying conditions, uh, special needs. He has autism, ADHD, and something called apraxia. And that's basically where he knows what he wants to say in his head, but on the way down, uh, his words don't form correctly when he's trying to talk to people. Dom, you're eight or nine years old when your mom comes down with cancer and uh, then this happens to your brother. Um, when you were eight or nine years old, what did you understand and what did you not understand? Um, well, it was weird because at first I was like, oh, my mom's sick. I didn't really understand the magnitude of the situation. And then as time went on, I was like, oh, mom is, mom is really sick. So it, it was good because I had, we have such close family in Akron and even my aunt and uncle who live maybe 10 houses down from us that they kind of blinded me from some of those things that they didn't want me to see and kept me, you know, positive and all that. So we had a lot of family support throughout the time. So, and even from friends. So it wasn't like we were alone throughout these times. Tell me a little bit more about that, Dom. How, how you say they blinded you, which is amazing that they kind of were there for you. Tell me, tell me a couple ways that they might've kept you cheerful during that. Oh, simple vacations. I remember going to Chicago multiple times. And then at the time, I never really thought about it. But now I think back and I'm like, oh, that's weird. My mom and dad weren't there. But now I look back and it's like, oh, they were, they were getting my mom's treatments. And then that, this was when my mom had cancer. And then when Paul, it, it was different too because we'd go away to Thanksgiving. And I was like, oh, this year I'm going with Aunt Paula. That's cool. And then, but I look back and it's like, oh, that's because Paul was sick. Uh-huh. So, and even simple things where grandma and grandpa would come over and play with Paul just to cheer him up throughout his treatments. Uh-huh. So we really had great support. Right. Why don't you speak about some of those relatives who are close to you on both sides? And I, I know you're going to miss a few, so I don't want anybody to get upset with us, but okay. can you tell us some of the relatives who, who were a part of your life during this journey? Uh, yes. Um, so I obviously have my two sets of grandparents, Sue and Nick Godzinski, my mom's parents and then my fathers who are sandy and paul damasio um they they were basically by our side like the entire time like when my mom was getting treatments they would go and pick me up from school like they were basically always around i saw them a lot and then 
especially my aunt Patty, who I said lived down the street. They were the Hardmans. They go to Hoban. Um, actually, everyone in their family goes to Hoban now, and uh, they were. It was just they were very close to us, and they very. We were very fortunate to have them. And their family is Patty, and what's the rest of the family there? Patty, Dan, um, they graduated from Hogan with you, or maybe maybe a few years after you. And then uh, Ellie and Andrew, who are twins, they're going to be juniors next year. Mm-hmm. And Joey, who is an incoming freshman. Okay. And then you mentioned an Aunt Paula, and there's some other extended family. Who else got involved there, Dom, to help? Um, Aunt Paula, that's my father's sister, mm-hmm. Paula Spate. Evan mm-hmm. Spate, and they have several siblings. Mm-hmm. So actually, I remember particularly one summer, I felt like I almost lived there. It, huh. it, it almost felt like I was bouncing around places, not because right. like home was bad, but right. it was like they didn't want me to see that. Yeah, like, that yeah. I was because a lot of people they say, "Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. That must have been hard." And right. it, it was a hard time, but I was such a young age, I didn't, I couldn't really comprehend a lot of it. Right, and and especially since. I had all these distractions that were thrown right, away. Right. Dom, one of the things I've always appreciated about you is um, I always see you as someone that's wise and mature beyond his years. Um, do you think when you were eight or nine or ten years old and going through these different trials that you were growing up more quickly than some of your peers, taking on some more responsibility? Uh, Yeah. Uh, I had, of course, like I said, my brother is very dependent, so I spent many days with him. So I don't know if I got wiser, but I, uh, I, I definitely had to do a lot of things, whether it was like giving up uh, maybe a, a day outside or nothing too big, but just to watch my brother or uh, staying up later to do homework so when I get home, my dad can take care of my mom, just like simple stuff like that. Tom, my my parents were in, um, my dad was a director of special education for Kent City Schools, so many of the children that that he dealt with when he was a teacher um, did have autism. A few had apraxia as well. Um, And I did not understand the full um, nature of care that somebody with this has until I would go to a couple functions with my dad. Particularly, there was a dance that we used to go to, and then kind of like a camp, I guess kind of like a camping trip, I'll call it. and, and I don't want you to have to go into too much detail if you don't wish to, but I don't think people understand how much care somebody might need with this. Um, just in a general sense, can you help somebody understand? Because I think this is where your patience comes in. You're such a patient person at Hoban, and I'm, I'm wondering if you can share that with people who don't understand it with your brother Paul. Um, yeah, so simple tasks such as like even pouring milk for breakfast or like we used to have to tie his shoes. Now, now he just slips them on. But uh, just like simple tasks, like we take for granted a lot of the things and uh, like throughout our lives, like simple tasks. And when, when you take care of someone who can accomplish those, it puts into perspective uh, the magnitude of the situation. And especially, I would say even sports too, because a lot of people are like, oh, I got, I got practice day. I got this. I, I mean, I, I've said it. I'm not going to act like I haven't said it, but like for my brother, he loves sports, but he, he can't really be fully involved in them. Mm -hmm. Dom, when, when he tries to communicate with apraxia, is there a certain level of understanding that you have because you're so close to him? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
Um, now I feel like I can almost fully understand him, but he doesn't really even say complete sentences. And I, I didn't really notice that until I like have friends over or at an event and he's talking to people and I know exactly what he's saying. And they're like looking at me and they're like, uh, and I, I just like complete a sentence for him. So yeah, it's like, it's, it's kind of like our own little language in a, in a way. Dom, what are some things about your brother's personality that you appreciate? Um, he is very social. <laughs> uh, you would uh, you would think having apraxia, he would he would be like shy and nerve. Nope, no. <laughs> he uh, there are people in my neighborhood who I do not even know, and whenever they walk by, Paul's like, "Oh, that's my friend." Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we go to we go to pick up a pizza and. Paul is yelling hi to people in the car that we have no idea who they are. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know us. So it's just like right, right. hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don, what are some of Paul's loves? What what does he get excited about? Uh, basketball. Any basically any outdoor stuff. He's uh-huh. got the the Godzinski volleyball gene going now. He's like he likes to play some volleyball. Does he? Um, we he was never really a uh, tech technology guy. Uh huh. Never. TV, n- nothing, and then right. we, we introduced him to Netflix, and he's actually able to fully use his iPad okay. to go on YouTube and look up videos, Right, and he's really big into music, okay. like 80s Queen, <laughs> all that stuff. So he has good so, taste, is what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> wow, wow, that's, that's amazing. Dom, I want to go back to the story of some of the adversities you guys had. So your mom finally... Um, battles her her fight with cancer and, and is somewhat cleared. I'll, you know, I know how that goes. You're not, but but she's more or less cancer free, I guess. And then that next day, Paul is discovered to have a tumor. Is that correct? Can you pick up that story there? Yes. Uh, Easter um, is when we first noticed the situation, and then a few days after, um, he was officially diagnosed. Easter of 2011, mm-hmm. um, kidney tumor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did get the kidney removed and. But it, when, it's weird because I, I look back and I, I totally lose sight of that he was four years old right. when this was all happening. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's, like, weird. We go through photos and he has no hair, but, like, right. I, I have trouble remembering that. But we go back and he's a shiny ball head. Right, So right. He, uh, he also went through a year of treatment, mm-hmm. and then he was cleared 2013-ish, and then... Okay. Officially, you, you wait five years after to officially clear most patients. Right. So he, both my mom and Paul yeah. have been cleared for several years, and they're both healthy right now. Right. Wow. So during that treatment for a year, was he, um, you know, in and out of, of feeling ill and, and, and sick? I mean, when you're going through chemo, it's not easy. Was, was he, you know, to your recollection, going through some tough stuff there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, similar to my mom, just completely exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one day I came home and he was on the couch downstairs and it's just like their whole system is like flushed. Uh-huh. They're super pale. And it's just, it's weird to see because like before, like I said, he was uh, this joyous kid and all this. Right. And now he's, he's sitting down very weak, mm-hmm. has trouble moving, but right. we, little things he would get excited about. So that was good. Yeah. Family. Yeah. So, Dom, um, now now it's 2020. Um, let's talk about P- Paul's cancer-free. Is that true, or does he continue to get checked? Or uh, he he goes back 
uh, every once in a while for a check. But yeah, he is he's fully cleared, and uh, my mom was cleared mm-hmm. years prior to. Okay, so now where does Paul go to school, and, and is it still um, part of your responsibility to kind of help take care of your brother, or is he is he fully um, in school outside of the home? Tell us about where he is today. Uh, Paul is at Coventry okay. High School. Okay. He was a, he's a freshman right now. I think he has a week left of school. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is in a special needs only class, so it is good because it's a lot of kids who go through similar things that he endures. Okay. So it's it's a good classroom, but the cancer did set him back a few years. Okay. So he he will probably go extended learning. He he will go maybe six or seven years. Okay. Just so he can fully catch up on that. Okay. And then as far as your daily um, care, is that something that you're still actively, you know, having to be there for your brother or is your brother independent, I guess, Dom, for the audience to understand? I'd, I'd say 50-50. Uh, now, uh, due to the coronavirus, um, he's off school, obviously. And usually during the summertime, we send him to uh, Rotary Camp, which is like this special needs camp. Mm-hmm. They're super involved there. It's great. Right. And he goes for a good chunk of the day. So that really relieves some yeah. some stress. But right. now we have the whole pandemic going on, and my, my mom's obviously still working. Right. And my dad does office hours for six, seven hours a day. Right. So, yeah, like a couple days a week, it's it's full on watch paw but it's it's not as hard as it used to be uh-huh. and there's some things to relieve the stress such as like going to play basketball yeah. and like i said before down the street we have ellie andrew joey who are right. always willing to come out and play yeah so awesome awesome dom what are some of the things that you like to do with your brother um we've started going on car rides because <laughs> of the current fire so we he connects his uh, phone to the speaker, uh-huh. and we listen to some music. <laughs> um, and actually, uh, a while ago, I used to do trick shots on a uh, trick shot channel. <laughs> and um, he he would always be, like, in the background of the shots, like, cheering <laughs> if I made the shot. Right. And even today, like, he'll shoot the ball, and he'll be shoot the basketball, and he'll say, oh, th- this is the basketball shot or something. <laughs> yeah. So your own version of Dude Perfect, right? Yes, I was a master. Okay. <laughs> Dom, I want to go back to the, that That seems like a pretty nice therapeutic trip to be with your, I mean, all of us kind of, uh, many of us love riding in the car, either by ourselves or with family, but especially with music playing. I know my daughter likes to bring her iPod or whatever it is and plug the music in. I guess it's her iPhone nowadays. What, what, what are some, you, you spoke of Queen. Can you give us a couple songs that Paul just really gets into? Another one by Sadus. Um, actually at the end of the year uh apple releases a thing where they say oh these are your most listened to songs so i was excited to go on because i was thinking a lot of my music was on there (laughs) the first 25 songs were uh queen um, he likes elton john some of the elton john songs and it was like over like a thousand listens on like multiple songs wow i love it I love it. Um, another one bites the dust. Any 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 other songs come up in the top five that you um, can think of for Paul? The, the Bare Naked Ladies have a kids album. Yeah, yeah. And I think I could sing every single <laughs> song on that album. Oh man, I love your brother's music choice. I'm a big BNL fan and Elton John and and Queen. Those are great choices, man. I love it. Uh, that that's pretty special. So. 
You know, Dom, you, 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 uh, you've been through a lot, you know, in the family home there with some of those adversities. And I know your dad uh, was strong and your mom was strong and Paul was strong and everybody's doing well right now. But you then make the transition to come to Hoban. And for those listeners who may not know, your family had a long heritage at Hoban, especially with your mom and her sisters, who I believe are, um, several of them are in the Hall of Fame. And almost all of all of them played uh, Division One college athletics at the University of Akron. I believe they all played volleyball there. So they they were uh, they were at Hoban during the heyday of uh, women's athletics at Hoban when we won state championship after state championship. And your your aunts and your mom were on most of those teams or many of those teams. So when you came and then your dad, I'm sorry to leave your dad out, but your dad also played football, baseball, basketball, and, and his brothers. I think a few of his family members also had gone to Hoban. So there's there's a big legacy when you come up there. Um, what was that transition like to Hoban, knowing knowing uh, of, of all that that history? Um, my my dad didn't go to Hoban. I'm sorry, not your dad. I meant your uncle Dan. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know your bro- yeah, I know sure. your I know your dad Bill went to Garfield. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, mi- I misspoke. Well, I, I meant I meant your uncle Dan. It's very interesting going to Hoban because uh, basically my mom's entire side, Uncle Dan, Aunt Tina, Aunt Patty. My mom, they all went, they played sports there. Grandma Sue and Grandpa Nick probably had been to more Hoban events than most people on the planet. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then my other side of the family is uh, my dad, and they're all public school people. So it's very it's very interesting because we the original deal on my family was, oh, I'll go to a uh, private middle school, yeah. and then maybe high school I'll transition into public. And then talking about it with everyone, they uh, – both sides of the family agree that Hoban would be the best choice. So now, that, that was now good to, Tom, how did you ever get your dad to agree with that? Because Bill DeMassey was a proud public school graduate and works in the public schools. That had to be a hard sell. What was the what was the tipping point for your dad, Bill? Um, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> so it, it it really came down to he was like, "Listen, Dom, th- this is your choice. Where do you think you will be?" you were you were prosper the best from mm-hmm. and after thinking about it i, I loved hoban like i I go to football games basketball games all that mm-hmm. so he, he agreed he was like this is a good decision okay it took him a few years to wear some hoping <laughs> but uh we, we got him in some baseball and basketball right. here he finally years. caved in that's good so when you make the transition up there with the heritage that you had on the hoban side um what was that like your first year or two well Everyone thought I was related, or well, I am related to Deacon Ray, who is a religion teacher at Hoban. Yeah. He is my grandpa's first cousin Okay, on my dad's side. Yeah. So I, I usually get uh, three to four emails a day, people <laughs> thinking Deacon Ray. <laughs> so I just forward those to Deacon Ray. But uh, coming up to Hoban was great. Um, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't really involved beginning of freshman year, and then I actually became a manager um, under you for varsity basketball, and I did that for four years. Right, and I'm wondering, Dom, what what um, what pieces of that wisdom that that you gained through all the adversity that you went through were you able to transfer over to the managerial job and being a leader at Hoban? Because some listeners may not know, but last year you were awarded the Dowd Award um, at Hoban, which is Hoban's highest honor. So you must have done something right, where people honestly. Um, Obviously, excuse me. Thought you were worthy of it. What 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 pieces did you carry over to that role? Um, t- 
time management and patience were, were a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, for basketball, it's people don't understand the time commitment. Right. They think, oh, basketball games, uh, yeah. t- Tuesday and Friday. Maybe right. some on Saturday. No, it's practice Monday through Saturday. You're you're there early. Right. You got to be there early because early is on time and on time is late. <laughs> and then uh, and then patience because there's a lot of things that some people might not lo- like to do. Right. Um, but like you just got to do them. It's it's part of the job. Yeah. And that's just something you learn. And like I didn't always want to watch my brother on Saturday mornings at eight a.m. But like. I had to do it. So right, Dom. Did you ever have Coach Griffith in class as a teacher? Yes, I did. Okay, uh, and last you year. Obviously, you obviously were a manager for four years. How is Coach Griffith different in basketball than he is in the classroom? <laughs> um, <laughs> calmer. Um, he, is he calmer in basketball or in the classroom? <laughs> in, in the classroom, he. Okay. It, it's funny though because throughout practice, whole pick on certain not like pick on but choose certain kids and like talk to them throughout practice encourage get, them right yeah you get in the classroom and like the first day he's like welcome to ap language and composition dom welcome to the class so <laughs> <laughs> i got my warm welcome um dom i'm i'm curious um can you impact a classroom in a similar way that you can impact the, a team, you know what are the similarities there? Because part of the reason you won the Dowd Award last year, and probably even part of the reason that you were even nominated for this Courage Award is, I think people really see you as an uplifting presence in the classroom. People like to rally around you. You kind of keep the kids cheerful and fun in your general seating area wherever you are. There's a certain amount of joy that you bring to the classroom, and I think you also bring to the team. You know how were you able to kind of blend the two? Um, I would, I feel like my role as a manager, I, I was there to help the team, but I was really, I, I enjoyed cracking jokes with a lot of the players or talking to them in the locker rooms. Cause like when I look back at basketball, I think of like the times we spent in the locker room talking before games or with all the players. Cause something a, a lot of people don't know about a manager is they actually talk to the players. Mm-hmm. They're not just there to pass out the towels right. and fill up the waters. They, they do talk to the players. Yeah. So that was good because a lot of the players were my classmates also. Yeah. So then we transitioned into right. the school year, and I was fortunate enough to have a lot of classes like Jake Snyder. He was an upperclassman, and I ended up having a couple math classes with him. Right. But I knew him and had that connection from basketball. So, yeah, we're great friends. Awesome, awesome. And, Dom, one of the roles of a manager is to be able to play both sides of the coin with, with a sense of maturity. In other words, you're in the coach's office a lot, and you're hearing the coaches talk, and sometimes you have to keep some of that under your vest. And then oftentimes you're out in the locker room, and you're hearing the players talk, and you know players will bellyache about the coaches and stuff if they're not playing or they're, they're upset about a bad practice or whatnot. Um, how did you exude that maturity that allowed you to kind of play both sides of that coin, which, which a manager has to do? Um, it is really a two-sided situation because it's like you want to be friends with everyone, but we, you don't really know if everyone's friends with everyone on both sides of the platform. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, it's for me, it was really, it's not my room to speak on yeah. um, the issues. If something was serious, I think I would mention it. Right. But 
it, it's really not. You got to learn when you have to step up and when you just kind of have to sit back. Right. Because it's not your room to act on. Yeah, Dom. I remember one time we we uh, we had an incident at one of our games where somebody kind of acted up at the end, and so when we came back off the bus. I pulled the four seniors or maybe the four or five guys into a meeting that lasted like an hour and we talked it out. It was actually a really good discussion and I let the kids kind of have a voice and they were able to bring some things up that they wanted us to change and I was able to bring some things up that I wanted them to change. But then I kind of peeked to my right and I had no idea you were sitting in a cubby in the locker room and you were there for the whole thing. And I, I just think that that really speaks to how much you saw yourself as a part of the team. You you weren't going to leave just because, and we'd already put in about a five or seven hour day at this point on a Saturday. You weren't going to just exit stage right. You were going to be a part of that. I'm just wondering why. Um, I don't know. Like those those were like the seniors, and being a senior, that I felt like I don't know. We, I I was able to step up in the locker room at I I forget where we were playing at, but I was able to step up and speak some of my own words while the coaches were talking outside. So I actually ended up talking to a lot of players after it and saying like, hey. Like, we got to do this and this and this. And it, it was just nice to talk it out because, like, I'm a manager, but I still have a voice and I I still know right from wrong. Like, just because I'm not wearing the jersey, right? I mean, I, I can still see where people are at fault. Absolutely. Tom, do you watch basketball differently now after really being a part of the program for four years and kind of being a student coach? Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> at first, I'm not the most talented basketball player you, you've ever seen. Actually, I'm horrible at basketball. That's <laughs> all. But uh, I do enjoy the sport. It it's interesting because, like, my first year, I was like, "Oh, TK shouting Oklahoma, uh, Roger Scepter go right," and I have no idea what he's saying. I just kind of went to the camp to try to get player of the day. <laughs> I, I I was never really the basketball player, so now my senior year it was cool because i knew some of the plays and i would i was watching it and i was like this kid's running the wrong way what is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> or like the drills but it, it's good because in practice um the new wave of freshmen juniors seniors come in every year and i'm able to teach them like oh we're doing this you got to be here 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 so it it was really good to do it for four years because one year is not the full experience. The full experience is four years, and you're able to learn a lot throughout the time. Dom, I always thought that you um, were somebody that we could trust and, and somebody that was so loyal to Hoban and the program and us, even when we probably didn't have a good day coaching or maybe we got out coached a couple games. Um, where, where did that loyalty and that trust come from? Because it, it just seems, or how did you, <laughs> if you didn't have it, how were you able to fake it? But I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you had it. Um, you know, where did that come from? You just had a great sense of loyalty. Um, I think it's just like loyalty to my family and stuff. Like, uh, I feel not like me necessarily, but my entire extended family is, if something is needed, they, they come through. So I felt like that learning from my aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins, all of them really helped me. And now, Dom, going into your future, you know, loyalty, trust, maturity. I mean, these are some of the things, courage, these are some of the things you exude. Um, what's your next step, and how are you going to integrate some of those things into your next step? Why don't you tell us where you're headed now? Uh, next year, I'm going to be attending the University of Akron. 
I'm going into business management, hoping to get into the entertainment industry. So uh, I might look into uh, becoming the basketball team manager at Akron or looking to see how I can do that there. Mm-hmm. Um, I it, it will really stick with me. And I think some of those attributes are like everything I've learned throughout my life has like, it's kind of just like all in a ball. And it's like, you got to like pick and choose like which things you want to use and like when. Right. So it's kind of like I, I have this whole box of things that I've had. Mm-hmm. And now as I continue my life, I can, like they're there for me. I don't need to learn them because I've seen them my whole life. Exactly. Entertainment industry. What's the dream job? A uh, dream job would be like a manager or an agent for whether it's a professional sports player or maybe a content creator or something in that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, a content creator is kind of a new um, job out there, Dom. I don't think that was around 10 years ago. I mean, it was, but it wasn't called a content creator. Can you tell the audience what exactly that might be? Um, yes. So basically, obviously, seven years ago, someone hears content creator and they're like, what What the heck? Like, Yeah. And now you have all these things. It's like, look, you're making a podcast right now. And- <laughs> Like that, that's a content creator. TK right. Griffith is a content creator. <laughs> TK Griffith is a content creator. Um, but like YouTubers, TikTokers, yeah. all these new apps are coming in. And I, mm-hmm. I, I just think it's so interesting how all these things come together right. and how like little videos or yeah. little tweets or whatever can become right. so big. And I, I would love to be in that. Right. Don, this is so fascinating because I think it's cutting edge. And sincerely, that's what TK and I need. We need, <laughs> we need someone to manage us. Right, right. Because although we love this and we're learning and we're getting to talk to such interesting, incredible people like yourself, um, we want to we expand our platform. So right. as you educate yourself at Akron, we're going to be calling upon That's you. Right, That's okay. right, Tom. That's right. Dom, this 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 job never ends. You know, it's a lifelong commitment um, as a manager at Hoban. So you always need to be there for us, bud. Um, and I think you know when I, when I dwell on everything that you gave to us at Hoban, Dom, I think you were one of the best that we've ever had. I always called you the director of basketball operations, but you're much more than that. Um, you're family. You're a friend. And when I when I look at you being a, a Courage finalist here, um, or a finalist for this Courage Award at the gala uh, that they're going to have at the Beacon Journal. I think I think it's called the Gatehouse Gala. If it's if I have that incorrect, it's it's simply the Beacon Journal Award ceremony at the end of the year. But it's a pretty big deal. Um, Dom, I, I truly hope that they select you because um, I, I, I honestly think that people don't understand uh, some of the trials and tribulations that you guys have been through. But in 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 going through that. You've taught me and you've taught so many other people around you a sense of goodness and a, a sense of other-centeredness um, where you are just a servant leader in everything you do. And I know it comes from your family. So I just want to wrap up by saying kudos to your extended family. I'm not going to mention all their names, but especially to your nuclear family at home, your mother Karen, your father Bill, and your brother Paul. Uh, because together you guys have gotten through a lot and I know you're going to continue to soar as you get into your major at the University of Akron um, and as you tackle all of the things. But like you said, you have a box. You have a toolbox. 
at your disposal that you learn from your family, hopefully a little bit from Hoban, maybe even a little bit from the managerial role on Hoban basketball. Um, but you have a toolbox, and all you have to do is reach in there because these are skills that you certainly have developed and own. So thank you very much to Dominic Damasio, Courage Award finalist for the Beacon Journal Gala Awards. The bank will, will be in June, and it will be live streamed virtually. Please check it out, folks, and we're hoping and praying that, Dom, you bring that award home.